Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, paranormal fans. This is Mark Drodis, paranormal suspense author. Are you looking for a good scare? Something that will challenge your thoughts about ghosts and hauntings? If so, read The Haunting of Crimshaw Manor and find out what happens when a paranormal club investigates a mysterious haunted house where shadow figures are seen, screams heard, and an undeniable torment is revealed. The Haunting of Crimshaw Manor is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever scary books are sold. And... Don't forget to listen to Ghost in the Valley podcast with Al Cooley. Both will give you chills and keep you up at night. Okay, today my guest is Gwen Luckett. Gwen is an author, paranormal investigator, a researcher, a documentarian, plus many other traits she's been gifted with. We will go into that later. Gwen was born and raised in Virginia. She knew she was different from the other kids since the age of four. She was capable of hearing and seeing spirits. Gwen was raised as a Southern Baptist, but later reverted to paganism. Uh, So you can imagine what her Baptist church family thought about that. Gwen follows her own path and not easily swayed by what others think of her. She served as a police officer, worked for a medical examiner, an emergency medical technician slash firefighter, possessed a FF2 for over 20 years. After the devastating loss of her father in 2012, Gwen founded Beyond Perception Investigators, otherwise known as BPI, a small group of investigators with various backgrounds. Their sole purpose for their quest into the paranormal is to give the dead a voice and the living closure. In 2021, Gwen Leckett released a best-selling book on Amazon, Embracing My Strange. We will talk about the update on that book, plus others that are following. Gwen also edits, directs, produces, and narrates content on YouTube and her channel for her paranormal team. She also works with musicians as well on their videos. In Gwen's spare time, she loves to check out historic locations. She's also an amateur photographer and lover of the strange. Wow, that's impressive, Gwen. Uh, uh, (laughs) I I know I didn't even cover all of it, so uh, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, and I'm also a band mom. 
drum a line. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they might have to add just one more day in a week for you, you know, like eight days a week. <laughs> you know, let's start from the beginning. You were four years old mm -hmm. and you could see and hear spirits. Yes. Did you share this with your family? I did. And I found out very quickly what a very bad idea that was. <laughs> um, being raised in rural areas, especially in Virginia, um, in an area as many people know as the Bible Belt, sharing things like, hey, I'm talking to this kid. And when you're telling your family your experiences and they realize that you're talk talking to dead people, it's not such a bright idea, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's not really good, especially when your parents decide, you know what, this may be more than an imaginary friend. And they do. My parents bless them. They, they both have, you know, have since passed away. But bless them, they did decide to look into it, which is more than what a lot of people, especially back then, would have done. But they did decide to look into it. And I, I would find out later why they decided to look into it. Um, they did decide to look into it. And I overheard a conversation that my parents had because we were famous for having these large barbecues at our house. And I was coming out of the bathroom and I overheard some of our neighbors speaking with my dad and everybody called him T or TC. And they were like, T, we have checked the records. We have checked everywhere and we cannot find anything on this boy named Henry that Gwen is talking about other than this child that passed away about 150 years ago. Wow. I backed into the bathroom and I remember sitting in the bathroom floor trying to absorb what I heard. Now, mind you, I'm probably about five-ish by this point, mm -hmm. you know, just, just maybe just a little over five. And I remember sitting there as a five-year-old kid thinking about what I just heard and trying to understand what I just heard and trying to understand, but I just saw Henry, you know, I just mm -hmm. played with him. How can he be dead? And even in a five-year-old's mind, thinking about the clothes he was wearing, they were different from ours. I never saw him at school. He would never come to the house to have dinner with us. I would always see him outside. Mm -hmm. And then to hear them say that, it was devastating. Oh, yeah. You know, that early on, I started to learn what death was mm -hmm. at such a young age. I understood, like, if our dog got hit in the road, they weren't coming back. But this was a different level of death. Right. And I remember just sitting there thinking, how can he be dead? They, they got to be wrong, you know? Because to me, he was real. Right. You know, like through your, so through your like a young adult life, child, teenager, you're probably labeled strange or out there crazy. Oh, you know, I remember going through the supermarket with my mom and seeing the other moms with their kids. And if they saw my mom, you know, first come around the, the corner, I would see them. Oh, hey, Jenny. And if they saw a little Gwen pop around the corner, I remember Shame on them now. But I remember seeing them taking their kids and kind of tucking them behind them. Hi, Gwen. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember the look my mother would give them. <laughs> you know, like she might be a weird kid, but she's my weird exactly. kid. Exactly. <laughs> your family, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, your family. 
you know, but I would find out, and this is where the revisions of my book would come in because sure enough, Murphy's law within a week of me releasing the book, some of the information of some of the um, spirits and entities that I would uh, come to know through my years within a week of releasing my book, I found out information on these people, Murphy's law, right? Uh So I was like, well, you know, I'm going to have to do a revised edition later. Well, here recently, I went on a trip with some of my family uh, to West Virginia. It was a, a, a pilgrimage of sorts. I got to see family that I hadn't seen since my mother passed. My mother died in 82. I was like seven when she passed. So some of these people I haven't seen. I'm 49 now. I haven't seen them all this time. And I was taken to a cemetery up in West Virginia, and literally over 50% of the people in the cemetery were my ancestors. I didn't even know this place existed. Okay. Do you hear any noises? It's, it's the kids outside. Okay. <laughs> no, nothing spooky going on. It's just the kids outside playing. So I see all these names. Some of these names I can't even pronounce. And my sister is like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. And they're related to, the, you know, we got second and third generation Americans. And I'm sitting there going, what? I, I can't even pronounce that name. I'm t- talking German names. I'm talking Irish names. And I'm sitting here. My mind is blown. And then while we're riding back to the cabin, we start talking about things that happened when we were kids. And she was like, yeah, you know, talking about our other siblings, they would get yelled at for stuff that would come up broken or missing around the house. She would take the blame for it so that our other siblings wouldn't get grounded from band camp or band practice. So Crystal was listed as the whipping child. She was talking about a conversation that they had with dad before he passed. And they were telling dad and dad was like, what? And my brother was like, yeah, Crystal always took the blame for it. And dad was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. And I'm sitting here listening to her tell me this. And I'm like, I tried to tell y'all. I tried to tell y'all who was doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I know, I know. We look back on it now. And we're like, Gwen was telling the truth. She was telling the truth. And I was like, I try to tell mama. I try to tell daddy. And they wouldn't listen to me. And she just stopped. And she said something that it shook me to my core. And this was something that happened within the past week. So you heard it first. <laughs> it shook me to my core. We were at a stoplight on the mountain where they were doing road construction, not the place you want to be. Uh-huh. And she just goes, when mom and dad were scared of you. What? I've never heard that in my, in my life. Uh-huh. And it brought tears to my eyes. I never thought of it that way. When a parent is dealing with a child with abilities, how frightened they are to have to face something like this. So it put a completely different twist on the way I look at this now. Now, my children have abilities, but because of what I went through, I was more open-minded. I wasn't fearful of them. So I wasn't in that position. But I told my sister, I was like, well, I always suspected I got these abilities from mom because that's what dad said later on. And she was like, and he was an empath. Uh That blew my mind. I was like, what? She was like, dad had, you know, he, he had empathic abilities, just like mom. Well, I mean, I'm just kind of surprised that, you know, because you had it too. So why wouldn't he come forward and. You know, well, we're talking about a different time. Well, yeah, yeah. A different time mm-hmm. in a very rural, very rural, again, Bible Belt area. 
Well, yeah, you're talking Southern Baptist, you know. Yeah, you know. So, but when she said they were scared of you, and I just looked at her and I said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, back up. I said, so if they had these abilities and they knew I had these abilities, why were they scared of me? She said, well, we're talking about a different time. People did not talk about this stuff. She said, but you had it on a level that they had never seen before. Uh-huh. And they honestly did not know what to do with you. They didn't have psychologists like they do today to deal with stuff like this, to determine if this is what's really going on with the person or if there's something more mentally challenging going on. Right. Like schizophrenia or. Right. And my um, sister is a behavioral specialist. Now she's a therapist. This is what she does. Uh-huh. So she's like, so I look back on the things that you would say and do as a child. She said, and it wasn't mental instability. It wasn't a, an imaginary friend. She said, in my professional opinion today, you were legit. There was nothing, there was nothing else going on. And, but for her to say that my parents were afraid of me, that it upset me. Oh, yeah, that's big news. You know, you know because I'm like, no parent should be afraid of their child. Right. But it wasn't afraid of, oh, my gosh, she's going to beat us up afraid. And, you know, she's violent afraid. They were afraid of the ability that I possessed and the accuracy that I had. Uh-huh. She was like, do you remember that night that you that you and dad were watching TV and you were watching uh, this is like a National Geographic show and you were talking about the, the hieroglyphics on TV? You were telling dad what they were. You were like four. Uh-huh. I was like, I vaguely remember that. I said, I put that in my book. I, re- I you know, I do have a vague memory. She's you remember dad going in the kitchen. And I was like, no, she goes, dad went in the kitchen. Mom was fixing something. So, you know, I, she said, I think she was fixing dinner. He said, she, wa- he walks in there and he tells mom what just happened. Mom stopped what she was doing. Just turned she, all the color went out of her face. Said, How does she know what hieroglyphics are T? How does she know? There's no, she hasn't even been to school yet. You know? If you were to put a sheet of them in front of me right now, I, I couldn't tell you what was top or bottom. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, you're a child, you know. I mean, you know, yeah. I just, I don't know. So after growing up as like a Baptist, and I know about that because my, my family, almost all the coolies live in uh, mm-hmm. Alabama. Mm-hmm. So I do know about because my aunts and uncles were pa- uh, Baptist uh, preachers. I know that got to be a big thing when you decided to go leave the Baptist church and go into paganism. Mm-hmm. What led what led you to do that? Well, it was right before my father passed. I was I felt like I was being a captive of something, and I I felt like I needed to break free. I felt like I wasn't being true to myself. And every time I would go to church with family or friends, and it was nothing against anybody's belief system or faith or religion. It's nothing personal. It just felt like I didn't belong. Uh-huh. It didn't feel right. And, you know, it's kind of like when you put on grandma's sweater that she made for you and it itches. <laughs> That's kind of how it felt. And, I, and I, you know, I even had conversations with my dad about it when I was a, a young adult, like, you know, shortly after I turned 18, I would speak with my father about it. And my father was never a religious person. Uh-huh. He had nothing to do with religion. Um, he believed that there was a higher power, what it was. He wasn't sure, but he knew that there was something greater than all of this. When I said something to my dad 
about, you know, I feel like I'm more connected with the earth. I said, I, I said, so, you know, some people are like, well, it's witchcraft. He said, maybe it is. He said, witchcraft isn't necessarily evil, which kind of surprised me, you know, mm-hmm. coming from my dad, because, you know, parents were supposed to be like, oh, no, you know, and dad's like, you can't believe everything you see on TV. Gwen. He said, you have to do your own research. You have to educate yourself. Just be careful where you get your information from, you know, for a man that was, that had a seventh grade education. He was the smartest man I've ever known. Mm-hmm. You know, you won't know anything about history, dates, times, names. He had it. If I had to work on a history paper, I didn't open an encyclopedia. I sat down with my dad, <laughs> but he was so he could he could be so open minded. He like anybody else. He was set in his ways. He was raised a certain way, but he did try to not be so close minded about things. Mm-hmm. You know? And the breaking point for me. It was um. It was before I had turned eleven. I had an incident that happened at the house. I was home by myself. This one we were still living in Cumberland. I had a terrible situation that happened, and it, it, it was in my book. And uh, Dad comes home from work early one day, and I had all these cans of food. And this traumatic situation that happened with this entity, all these cans of food were everywhere. And I was trying. I hear Dad pull up, and I'm like, "Oh, I got to get this cleaned up," you know. And I'm frantically trying to clean up, and Dad peeks around the corner and looks at me, and he's like what the, and I I just collapsed. I was just exhausted. And I'm like, dad, if I tell you, you're not going to believe me. And he's like, try me. So I tell him the whole spiel, everything that happened. He just looks around, he takes a deep breath and he goes, clean this up and come meet me in the living room. I thought, oh, I'm in for it. I am so grounded. I'm not, I'm not going to see daylight till I'm 18. Mm -hmm. You know, I go in there and I sit down and he just sits there for a second. And that's when he goes into this discussion with me. He says, there are things that people, most people can't see or hear. He goes, and there's, you know, and there's some people that are able to see and do things that we can't explain. You're one of these people. I've known it for a while. And I'm sitting there going, I've been suffering my entire childhood. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I've got another sister. I sat there and watched her do it phone this this one we had the rotary phones now okay mm-hmm. y'all you know, keep up right. yeah <laughs> with a party line you know right right with with the cord that stretched 15 oh, yeah. feet, you know mm-hmm. yeah phone rings my, my dad used to play in um country western bands all the time phone rings my sister sitting on one of my other sisters she's sitting on the steps and dad goes over to pick it up the phone he looks over at her and she goes that's so and so they're broke down in new jersey they need you to come pick them up Dad just looks at her, picks it up. Hey, yeah, what's up, man? He's there for a few seconds. He goes, oh, yeah, everybody okay? He turns and he looks at her. He goes, you're aware? Oh, yeah? Yeah, it'll be a little bit, but I'm I'm on my way. Yeah, I can tow it. No problem. All right. I'll I'll see you in a few hours. Hangs up the phone. He looks at Bridget. He goes, how end up? And she goes, turns out. It was exactly as she said. Not a word was said. He turns around and walks out. And I'm sitting there at the kitchen table, swinging my little feet, eating my grilled cheese sandwich. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, hold up. No, I've been getting the stank eye this whole time. She just Matilda'd you and nothing is said. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It was just, I think that that 
situation right there with my sister. I think that's when the light bulb went off. I'm like, there's been a family secret going on that nobody wants to talk about. Well, you know what? You can hide and do whatever you want. I'm going to sit and simmer on this for a little bit. And I think when I became a young adult, all those memories just started. They, you know, they, they, it's, it's like a layers of a cake. Mm-hmm. You try to make a seven layer cake and if you don't do it right, it starts to weigh down. It'll get heavy. Well, I think I was taking on too many layers. And after a while, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this no more. Mm-hmm. This is me. This is what I'm about. This is how it is. And you can take it or leave it. Well, I'm going to jump forward. I'm going to jump forward to your paranormal team. Mm-hmm. I love this quote. Give the dead a voice and the living closure. Yes. Man, that's powerful. I, I like that. That's a good quote. That's what we try to do because when we first started this, I actually started this in the memory of my father mm-hmm. because dad knew I was tinkering around with the idea of doing this. And before he passed away, he made a very good point. He said, you have spent so many years helping the living. When are you going to use your gifts? He was like, you're in a good time now. Times have changed. When are you going to come open and use your gifts? Uh-huh. And then after he passed, there was a couple of years after he passed. I thought about it and thought about it. And I was like, my years working with the medical examiner, it used to be a saying, dead man tells no tales. Right. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's called toxicology reports. It's called all sorts of blood work and uh-huh. it's all sorts of DNA evidence. I was just going to say that. Yeah, right. You know. They do tell tales. And then you have people and everybody, this is the thing. Everybody has the ability to communicate with the dead. It's your sixth sense. You get uh-huh. that hair standing up on the back of your neck. It feels like somebody's watching you. Uh-huh. It's because they are, you know, if you just, you just have to rewire your brain. You just have to learn to listen. So many times we like to do home investigations more than anything. Well, how many is on your team? Um, it's, it's myself, my husband, Gene, my daughter, Alyssa, and then Chris Loper, who I call my right arm. And you said you all had different backgrounds. What's the backgrounds? Um, my husband, Gene, he was an EMT firefighter. Okay. So like, he's really big on the whole safety thing and like, you know, like listening out and everything. Loper, the Chris Loper, we, we all call him Loper. Uh-huh. Uh, he is a military. Yeah. He was a combat veteran. Uh-huh. So he t- his senses, it's really weird. Like his senses can go to a totally different level, especially if we're in like a, a, a battlefield area or if, if a battle happened, like we were at the cabin 360. I just seen that. Yeah. When we caught that rebel yell, because I had just made the comment, I feel like we're being surrounded. Yeah. He was like, I uh, think you're right. And there was a couple of things that he would make a comment about. It was like, he knew when somebody was to the right. It's like, he has that mindset. And I was like, he knows we were at another residential area years ago before something really bad happened. And he was pointing and he was saying where everybody that it was like, they was taking stations and something really bad ended up happening shortly after, but he was spot on. It's like, he gets in that zone. Uh-huh. And he doesn't have any, you know, special abilities that he identifies with, but it's just like he has that mindset and he can tell 
when an attack, if you will, is getting ready to happen. Um, my daughter, Alyssa, the brainiac when it comes to archaeology, because that's what she's in school for. Uh-huh. Oh, so cool. if we come across an artifact or something like that, she can pick it up and look at it. She can give you a time frame for the most part where it came from. Um, she is a clairvoyant, so she'll pick up on stuff like I do. Um, she does tarot, stuff like that. And then you got me. <laughs> you know, so... But the, the really cool thing is that we all value each other because like we'll go into a room and, and my, my husband, he doesn't have any special gifts, if you will, but he will go into a room and he's like, you know, he'll, he'll pay attention to things. Like if he starts getting the goosebumps or if he starts smelling things, uh-huh. I tell him, I'm like, that's the best tools are your given senses. Right. And a lot of people don't pay attention. You know, don't get me wrong. The fancy gadgets and all are great. We got them. They're great, but your senses that you were born with, those are the best tools. And that's what I keep telling people. And he uses them. And every time we do an investigation, everybody gets better and better and better with their senses. So you guys kind of balance each other out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, we, we, you know, and I might pick up something that somebody else doesn't or vice versa. Sometimes we've picked up stuff at the same time. We'll have entities that want to talk to me, maybe not to somebody else or vice versa. Maybe they're not comfortable with me, but they'll talk to Loper or they'll talk to Alyssa, you know, and we just recently, I have, I have to go back. We just recently brought on my son, Tommy. Um, it, it, he goes by a different name. It's, it's uh, Gina, but we just brought him on and he, he's clairvoyant and he's in training. It's, it's a happy mix. <laughs> now, if the energy starts getting to be, too much, we'll tend to kind of back off or we'll have one or two people, you know, get out the room. Do you use uh, trigger items? We do. Um, as a matter of fact, we'll use your typical, you know, like the balls and stuff like that. But I have, because uh, my dad was a, a master craftsman. So I have, uh, he used to go around and do shows and he used to make like the wooden rubber band guns and like mm-hmm. the wooden car toys, like the wooden trucks, like they used to have back in the day. Mm-hmm. So depending on the time period that we're investigating, I'll set out my daddy's wooden toy cars and trucks, you know, and mm-hmm. one time I did see one of the cars. I didn't catch it on video and I'm so mad, but it didn't roll far, but it rolled just about an inch or two. But it was like we had like a couple matchbox cars out and then we had that out and it was like they didn't mess with the matchbox cars. I guess they didn't recognize them. They saw that wooden toy. And they went straight for that one Uh and they pushed it. And I was just so excited. And I was like, I didn't have my video going. Daggone. (laughs) But you know, it happens. We've also had cameras dump footage. Everything was rolling. Had the SD card in there. Oh, yeah. View it. Not there. I've had full batteries just go completely dead off all four cameras. Don't you hate that? (laughs) <laughs> like you're like you're saying, you know, you could have all the fancy gadgets, and mm-hmm. uh, I was on one where I did a documentary, and I was getting nothing. N- I mean, <laughs> not yeah. a doggone thing. It wasn't towards the after I was wrapping everything up. So, well, it's kind of like a bust, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And after my crew was leaving up the bridge, and I was walking by myself trying to get some extra footage, and uh, I was pushed from behind. You know, violently pushed from behind. And uh, flick my ears flicked, and then hear like a like a growling. You uh-huh. know, but, there's, but there's nothing there. I mean, I'm down in this gully by myself, and there's mm. nothing there. So, 
and then I was pushed again. I was on the bridge walking up the hill. So, you know, it's, it's a physical contact and stuff like that, that you just can't, you really can't explain unless you experience it. Mm-hmm. And so my next question was to you was, has, has any of your team been attacked or injured during an investigation? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, we were, I can't remember. It was a place we were living at in Cambridge and there was an abandoned farmhouse on the property and we had permission from my landlord to go out there. And we were just sitting out there talking. I looked up and Loper was talking and all of a sudden he went like this. And I said, why is your mouth bleeding? And he had blood. And he was like, I don't know. And I went to go cut off the SB7 box because mm-hmm. we, you know, we were doing that. And right when I went to go cut it off, you heard, get her. And I went, oh, who are you going to get? <laughs> <laughs> right. The worst thing that I think that ever, ever happened I still have the footage. I'm redoing our YouTube channel. I took down a bunch of stuff. There's not much up there right now, but there was one that we had. It was at a client's house. And I will say it was in in Mecklenburg County. And it was um, an an old, old farmhouse. And only thing I can say about this land is there had to have been a portal on that property somewhere. It was a mosh posh of so many different entities. It was almost like they were just looking at each other like, what are you doing here? Like Uh it was just, it was a constant turf war. It was ridiculous. And uh, we were out there recording and there was this old barn out there and we were all talking and I looked up and I saw this thing on top of the barn. I don't remember much from that. If it hadn't been for the video footage, I would not have believed them. On the video footage, you can hear me say he's not going to stop. And you can hear Loper and everybody else saying, Gwen, we got to go get away from the barn. We got to go now because Loper, like his senses were like in overload. He's like, we got to leave now. And I was going towards the barn because I was going to confront this thing. It's probably getting to get fixed and get my butt whooped. But I was Uh I was not me at all. The next thing you know on the video, all you see is Loper bear hugging me. I'm screaming. And when I go like this, my eyes were about blacked out. My voice had changed. When my daughter watches it, she's like, that's not my mom. And they're like, we know, we know, we we know it's not. And she goes, no, 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 you don't understand. If my mother was that mad, she would have been cussing like a sailor. (laughs) She said, not the first cuss word came out of her mouth. That's not my mother. You know, so I had a gentleman that was that uh, uh, he studied. He studies demonology over at Oxford in England. Uh He looked at the video and he said that was a class A, even if it was a low level demon, that was a class A possession because I even vomited at the end. And I'm not one that yells demon. I'm not like somebody we know on TV. Does demonic activity happen? Yes. I'm not going to say it doesn't, even though I'm not Christian. Um, I believe about anything is possible because there's all sorts of worldly activity and unworldly activity that happens that we can't explain. And we're not meant to understand. But does it happen as often as people like to portray? I don't think it does. No, because you can have angry spirits or just mean spirits. Yeah. Know. Exactly. If look, if you are a jerk in life, 
you're going to be a jerk to death. If you go to a funeral and that guy was a jerk his whole life and you're going to oh, he was a, he, no, he wasn't. Hey, no, he wasn't. No. Why are you lying? Right, right. <laughs> I want to take a short break and I'll be right back with Gwen. Look at right after this brief message. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Weird on the Rocks, a podcast that explores the weird, unusual, strange, and unexplained, all while getting our drink on. Join me every other Monday as I share a different cocktail and discuss true crime, paranormal stories, unexplained phenomena, conspiracy theories, and much more. Find Weird on the Rocks on social media, the website weirdontherocks.weebly.com, and listen on all of your favorite podcast apps. And don't forget to cheers and stay weird. Okay, I'm back with Gwen Luckett. We were talking about her paranormal team, Beyond Perception Investigators out of Virginia. So. My next question is, what's your most memorable investigation? That's a tough one. <laughs> that is a tough one. The most memorable. I would have to say, I don't know if you would call it my most memorable or my most favorite. Uh, would have to be our sec- our second one that we ever did as a team, and that was in North Carolina. We had to travel quite a distance at the time, and uh <laughs> We get down there and uh, Loper, the, the one that we all call Loper, um, he's the one that I tell everybody is my, my right arm of BPI. He's like, he, he's, he's my ride or die of the team. <laughs> mm-hmm. He goes in with me and everything. And uh, he was a very healthy skeptic when he joined the team. Okay. <laughs> After our first investigation, in his words, he was like, okay, maybe this chick, you know, does have some abilities. I'm not quite sold because we didn't really know each other. We had, we'd actually met when he um, applied or, you know, want to be interviewed to be on the team. And so we had our first investigation. Then we went to go do our second one in North Carolina and we get down there and I'm doing my walkthrough on the property and the house that we're in, we're supposed to be investigating where all the activity was going on is like, you know, right here. And then there was a house next door and he's inside interviewing the clients while I'm outside walking around. And we had another person with me while I'm walking around and she's taking notes. And as I'm saying stuff, you know, she'll take the stuff inside. So while he's interviewing, if there's anything that's correlating, you know, he'll already know. I don't know, but he already knows. So while we're walking around, outside I'm like I'm talking about how the energy is very heavy and I'm like you have good and then you have your not so good again not demon just very conflicting energy there and I was like I don't know why and I turned and I looked at the girl that was with me and I was like and I pointed at the house that we're not investigating and I was like that house right there is causing a lot of problems with this house that's what i'm getting and she's like really and i was like whatever the energy is the people in this house in this house they're connected 
not necessarily family, but they hang out a lot, which isn't uncommon with neighbors. I said, but whatever the energy is over here, it's trying to hop over here and cause wreak havoc. But there's energy over here that's going, uh, 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 you stay on your side. You know, I said, so the energy is over here is protecting this family. I said, but what's troubling me with the energy at the neighbor's house? I said, I'm feeling and I'm getting a manual strangulation. Like I can feel it. I can feel the hands on my throat. And I said, I'm actually getting a name. And she's like, what's this? And she's writing all this down. And I'm like, I'm getting a name of Timothy. I don't know what it means, but that's, I just spit out what I'm getting. I'm getting the name Timothy. And I'm like, and I don't know why, but I keep hearing Pocahontas. And I don't think Pocahontas had anything to do with this area, <laughs> but I'm getting Pocahontas. Uh-huh. So she goes inside and she hands the paper over to Chris. Now, my husband is sitting there recording all of this. He's recording the interview. And we got different people coming in. I'm standing there and I'm going, okay, some kids. There were some very curious kids back in the day, and they were playing with something they had no business playing with. They didn't know how to properly close a session. And to me, a Ouija board is just like any other tool you use. If it's not used properly, things could go wrong. You don't know. It's just like a pendulum or anything else. I'm not saying one is more evil than the other. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's intent, if it's used properly, and if you open and close properly. Yeah, the proper thing is closing that session. Closing that portal. And when you have a bunch of kids who see stuff on TV and think, oh, we can do that, something bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it could. And then again, oh, could, yeah. you know, nothing at all could happen. You know, you never know. It's a roll of the dice. So I'm spitting all this out and she's writing it all down and my husband's recording all this. <laughs> she goes in there and she hands him the paper. So he's reading all of this and he's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and you know, and he's writing stuff down. And all of a sudden he's interviewing this one guy and the guy lives next door. And he's talking about one night his brother wasn't acting himself and he heard a commotion down the hallway and he went tearing down the hallway and he busted through the door and found his brother on top of the girlfriend strangling her. Wow. And Loper's like, you can see him on camera go. And he was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And so they're talking a little bit more. And he goes, who's Timothy? Does, does that mean anything to you? And he goes, oh, that's my dad. He just passed away. Loper's, you can see him with his ink pen going. Okay. And then he's talking about, he was like, well, is the girlfriend near? Can we talk to her? He's like, oh, no, they, they broke up. I think, I think he said something about they broke up or something a while, or either they moved. I can't remember exactly. It's been a few years ago, but she, she wasn't available. And he was like, well, do you happen to remember her name? He goes, I don't know. She was supposedly Indian or something. They, they called her Pocahontas. Loper just drops his email. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That thought it'd be mind-blowing, you know? you know. And the girl that was outside with me, she's inside at this point, but she's off camera. And all you hear is, <gasps> you know? uh-huh. and my husband's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> so it's funny to hear Loper tell the story because he's like, if I wasn't a believer before then, uh-huh. I was after that. <laughs> he's because there's no way. Like I say, you know, it usually takes you to experience like you, you experience as a child. It mm-hmm. usually takes somebody like even myself, you know, when I was 12 years old. And so it takes somebody to actually go through that, to actually 
believe it, you know, mm -hmm. as with anything in life, you know, if you're not experiencing Alzheimer's or you, you don't really know until it happens to your family. Right. Exactly. And I, and I think the same good thing goes with paranormal investigations, you know, until it happens to you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of uh, people that uh, they're curious, you know, yeah. uh, you know, you've been how many seminars and somebody will say, uh, I'm not, I'm a non-believer. But usually it's those ones that stay there the longest and want the questions answered at the end. You know, human curiosity is the funniest thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it really, right. mm -hmm. it really is. But I say for people that say they're a non-believer, but they're usually the last ones to leave a seminar. Mm -hmm. That's good because they still have the curiosity. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't have that wall that they're not willing to listen at all. The ones that aren't willing to listen at all, okay, I, I, I bid you a good day. Right. The ones that, well, I, you know, I still don't believe it. Ah, but you stayed and listened. Right. So that shows me that at least you have an open mind and a curiosity of it. Mm -hmm. You know. So you do just mainly for John. I heard you say you stepped out of, which was in North Carolina. Yeah, we I, did I mean, in North Carolina. Uh, or do you stay in mainly your area, or do you travel? Right now, we stay mainly in Virginia. We have, we do have an upcoming, uh, another home investigation. We're trying to pinpoint a good date that we can investigate. That was a funny thing, too, because my daughter, it's um, somebody that she knows. They were having issues at their house. Nothing mean or menacing, just weird stuff going on. And the friend, her friend confided in her because of her abilities. And she was telling them what, what she was picking up and everything. She's like, well, let me consult with mom. So she wasn't telling me a whole lot. She's just saying some of the activity that was going on. Uh -huh. And immediately it was like I was looking through somebody's eyes and I saw a staircase. It was like fast forward, like really quick. And I could see like a staircase. And it's like I was looking through their eyes and I could see a hand pointing up the staircase. And I told her and I was like, somebody is showing me or pointing up steps. And she's like, OK, I just checked. It's all one level. And I was like, I don't know, maybe it's an attic. It doesn't have to like literally mean up steps, but they're pointing up. Mm -hmm. I said, sometimes Alyssa, you got to learn how to read in between the lines. It's, it can't be figuratively. Okay. I said, this is the best way that they can show me. I said, but they're pointing up. Maybe it's an attic or something. A few minutes later, she comes back and she goes, you're not going to believe this. Since they've been in the house, there is an attic that they haven't been able to get into. I said, whatever is going on, it's in that attic and they want them to find it. I said, so when we get there, we have to find a way to safely and without destroying anything of getting into the attic. I said, it could be something as simple as a love letter. It could be a card. It could be a toothpick. I don't know. There's something in that attic that was significant to this individual when they were alive. I said, it could be a photo. It could be a framed picture. It could be a marriage license. I don't know. Whatever we find. It needs to be brought out of that attic and placed in that home somewhere. I said, I can tell you right now, that's what they want. Uh -huh. They don't want it in that attic anymore. I said, it was part of their story and they want people to know about it. I said, they're being nice about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, know? Yeah. you know, now my other sister, not the one that I went to West Virginia with, but my other sister, the one that pulled the, the crazy phone call thing on my dad. Uh -huh. I was telling her about it and she immediately messages me back and she goes, take Rosemary. She goes, I don't know if it's a name or what she goes, but all I'm hearing is Rosemary. So take Rosemary. 
And I was like, on it, I'm going to trust your judgment. So I'm going to take rosemary and I'm going to lay it up there. (laughs) So whatever it means, here's your rosemary. Because it's not meant for us to always understand what the messages are, you know? So we can't always understand. As far as I'm concerned, my job, my, my team's job is to try to figure out what their story is. That's how we give them their voice. We try to relay what they're trying to tell us and put it on our little, on our little YouTube. So whoever wants to watch, it can watch it. That, that way we get their story out there and the living that is in that space, maybe give them some type of peace, some type of closure, even if they have to coexist, you know, cause we even go over that with the people living there. Sometimes I believe in free will. I don't think I can tell these spirits, you have to leave. Who am I to tell them they have to leave? Mm-hmm. You know, but if you can coexist, even better, because it might not be a bad thing. Because I had, um, I did a picture read for a friend years ago. Um, her friend owned a bar and they were having issues. And so she sent me pictures of the basement where they were having all this activity. And I had never been in this basement before. And I told her, I said, you need to go down the steps. You need to take a right, go back follow the pipes. I said, stop, look left, look into the wall. You'll see the pipes going down into the wall. There is a leak. It's getting ready to bust. You need to fix this leak. Come to find out they were getting ready to have a major flood in that basement of that pub. Mm -hmm. I said, so see, it's not necessarily bad to have the spirits because that's their home. Mm -hmm. They don't want anything to happen to their home. They were trying to tell the owner of the pub, Hey, you need to fix this. You're getting ready to lose everything. Yeah, I think sometimes a lot of investigators uh, fail to, you know, they just don't remember. They don't, they forget that these spirits are, were once people. They were alive. Or an animal. They they were, they were here before and they're still here. That was their home. Right. So my question is on my, all the guests I've had on the show over the last few years, I've had atheists, Mm -hmm. uh, pagan I mean, uh, and my last guest was, or a couple guests ago, she believed it, there was no hell, but there is a heaven. So, but so everybody's different. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. judge anybody on their beliefs. But my thing is, so my thinking is, if, um, when I ever, when I ever talk about moving the spirit on, uh, I'm talking about either, either the heaven or, or they're going to stay in this earthly realm, because mm-hmm. uh, I was converted from. Uh, Methodist to Catholic, because uh, when my wife and I got married, you have to be Catholic, get married in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, I went to Ireland. I totally get that. <laughs> right. So there's uh, uh, my thinking is I had a guest on that says, I don't believe you're moving. You can't move a spirit on because what are you moving on? What are you moving that spirit on to? Mm-hmm. Be- because if because we we believe there is no heaven, so if you're if you're Getting rid of that spirit, you're actually killing that spirit. So I never, you know, so it does open my eyes a little bit on what other people's beliefs are, mm-hmm. you know, so. And I've raised eyebrows because believe it or not, I'm kind of on that same track mm-hmm. because, well, I used to say, I don't know what it's like to be dead. I've never been dead, but yet I believe in reincarnation. So I've had to backtrack that just a little bit. I've, you know, I'm quick to reevaluate myself, you know. And I was like, you know what? I can't say that because if I believe in reincarnation, chances are I've probably been dead before. Okay. But 
when I see people moving spirits on one, I'm not willing to take that liability or repercussions should something bad happen. Uh If I were to open a doorway and not realize it. Okay. I used to try it before. I was pretty successful from, from my client's standpoint, no more issues. And that's fine. But the more I follow my path, the more I believe in free will. And if you force something, I don't think it's going to bode well. To me, people are like, well, when you have ghosts or spirits, the long time belief system was they're trapped because they have unfinished business or they died suddenly or something traumatic. And I'm not saying that's not true. Because, you know, if you were murdered, chances are you're going to want justice. You know, you're going to want the person that did it. You're going to want to be sure they're handled before you move on. It makes perfect sense. But I believe that sometimes they hang around because they want to. Right. <laughs> if you have a day off from work and you don't feel like going out, you want to lay in your PJs and watch TV all day. What do you do? You lay in uh, your PJs and you watch TV all day. What you're thinking on uh like investigating cemeteries or uh, asylums? Cemeteries, I don't believe are necessarily haunted, but I believe that there is energy there. Uh-huh. We have caught some EVPs and stuff that were not explainable. My youngest caught one when he was seven with an EVP recorder. Nobody, I got a picture of him holding it up to his ear listening. And we never could really make out what it was saying, but you could definitely hear a whisper. And I think what that was, it was almost like a, an older voice. And I think it was somebody that was attracted to his young spirit. Almost like, oh, like, like when you take a kid to a nursing home, uh-huh. you know, and it just brings out the kid in them type of thing. I think that's what that was more than anything. He, he never got scared or anything. I think sometimes that the energy or... How would it be different being at a cemetery versus being at somebody's house and it's coming up on the anniversary of something that was significant to them and you just happen to be there? Uh You know, to me, I think it would work the same way. Now, asylums. Energy in asylums, in prisons and stuff like that where not so good things have been known to happen. Uh Very traumatic things. Whether the people deserved to be in there or not is not for us to make that judgment. That's how they how they were treated while they're in there. It's how they were treated while they were there. And quite frankly, these asylums, people like me, the thought process was still going on today that was done then. I would right. be thrown in there. Okay. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So my feeling of asylums are, again, it's intent. It's intent. And to be respectful. If you're going in there, to learn about the individuals, maybe to try to have some type of meaningful communication to learn their story. Fine. If you're going in there to mock them or to get ratings or to be a complete jerk, Uh don't do that. You see my mama finger coming out. Don't do that. (laughs) Um, And I feel and I understand while some, some of these places, well, most of them now, they do charge and all that because they have to pay for the upkeep and all that. And it, it's not cheap upkeeping these buildings that are, quite frankly, are falling apart. Uh-huh. But I think some places it's a little exorbitant what they're charging. Right. Mm-hmm. And what they're charging 
four. When I went to Ireland, you could get into some of these places for what was equivalent to 10 American dollars. Mm-hmm. And we're talking castles that have been there for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So America, get a grip. Yeah, and they, and they took advantage of the paranormal teams too. So if you're coming in there, they're going to want to charge you the two, two hundred or three hundred dollars a night, you yeah. know. And, and it's uh, and you may not like I always say, paranormal investigations like fishing. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes they want to connect with somebody, and sometimes they don't. Or they'll exactly. pick a certain member of your team that they will connect with. Yeah. But you know, I'm getting back to the cemeteries. Uh, I always said a cemetery was like a, a community cemetery, like for a city, or they put out for all these people. A graveyard to me is, uh, I'm going back to the, uh, a lot of your Baptist, uh, Methodist, Protestant churches, if they have this uh, graveyards off, off their church property. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that, and all this investigation I've been doing, is your prominent members that probably donate the most money to the church, come down to the money again, have the best spots. <laughs> and then when... So-and-so has, you know, has been dead for maybe 20, 30, 30 years. They actually moved them out or <laughs> buried that other person over top of that person no longer. And now you're having hauntings inside that church. Mm-hmm. And I see that all the time, even in the basements of the church. Or, and it seems like these churches are, they're desecrating that body in, the, in, the, in those graveyards. So, yeah, so that's what's my separation between a graveyard and, and a cemetery. As you had mentioned before about leaving these portals open, you know, mm-hmm. when you're talking about the pendulum or mm-hmm. uh, Ouija board, you know, how that can be people that's not experienced mm-hmm. and they go on the Amazon, they buy their Ouija board or Walmart. That and, Barbie Ouija board. <laughs> right. And they get a hold of somebody they're not supposed to be getting a hold of and they don't close the session out. Mm-hmm. Be respectful. Like you you had mentioned being respectful of the dead, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, and and I'm the type, and I I tell people all the time, I've I've actually had people ask me, they're like, well, what do you do if you have a spirit or entity or energy or whatever it may be uh, um, starts to become aggressive or starts, you know, to become mean? And I'm like, you can be respectful, but set boundaries. Uh If it becomes, if it starts getting to the point that you're getting uncomfortable or they're getting aggressive, leave. <laughs> right. Yeah, you, got, you got that option. To you have nothing to prove. You right. are the living. They are the dead. They've got not being disrespectful. They've got nothing else to do. They're there forever. Mm-hmm. So who do you think is going to win this battle? Not going to be you. Choose your battles carefully. Now, I will be quick if we're doing a session and one of my team members gets grabbed. Like I've had a couple of team members before get marks put on, you know, cause they'll get grabbed or slapped or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, okay. All right. We don't mean any disrespect. I don't know if you did that. Cause that was the only way you knew to make yourself known mm-hmm. because that's something else people need to understand. Did you push me? Well, you told them to give you a sign. There's mm-hmm. your sign. Don't mm-hmm. get mad when you ask for a reaction or when you ask for action, and you get it. Don't be getting mad because that might have been the only way they can't. Maybe they can't be vocal. Maybe all they know is to throw something or to give you a tap or a push. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it takes a lot of energy for them to be able to do that. You know, you you may not get anything else from them the rest of the night because they just gave you all they got. You know, so don't jump to a conclusion saying demon or evil. 
maybe that's all they have. Now, if you start feeling threatened, again, listen to your given instruments, your sight, your nose, your hearing. You know, mm-hmm. if you start feeling threatened, by all means, leave. I tell my team all the time. I tell our guest investigators all the time. If at any point you feel unsafe, you tell somebody and we'll back it up. Uh-huh. We have nothing to prove. I'm not out here to prove anything to anybody. Our job is to give the dead a voice and the living closure. That's all I'm worried about. I'm not out here to prove anything to any skeptic. I'm not out here to prove nothing to nobody. You want to believe? Great. You don't? Okay. Have a good day. I've always said, you know, I'm not, I'm not dogging other people's uh, paranormal equipment, the uh, EVPs or dowsing yeah. rods or anything like that. I, I'm all for it. I've always said that your biggest tool in an, in an investigation is your body, your Absolutely. senses. Your senses. You, you're the biggest tool. So, or like you say, if you're going to call them out, you know, and you don't know who you're calling out, you know, be prepared. Exactly. I want to get to you. I want to get to your book before we yeah. run out of time here. Embracing my strange. I mean, I see it was a bestseller on Amazon. So my question was, why take it off if it's selling? <laughs> I took it <laughs> off because I wanted to do revisions to it. And I'm glad I did because after this recent trip that I took with my family, some of the other information I found, I want to put it all together instead of doing a separate book because it all flows together because some of the information that I found out explains why I am the way I am today. Uh-huh. It's so much sense. Now there were things about my mother that I did not know. There were things about my heritage, my bloodline uh-huh. that I did not know. So it's, all this is going to be added as long as well as the other information that I learned about the other spirits that I communicated with. All that's going to be added in there. But the title of the book is still going to be Embracing My Strange. But it's going to, because it's a revised edition, it's going to be Embracing My Strange New Discoveries. Okay. So it's going to have the original Embracing My Strange, but all this stuff that has blown my mind is going to be in the book as well. And it also shows, because when I released Embracing My Strange, I had several people message me saying, this has helped me so much. I went through so much like you did. I've never come out Uh about my abilities or how I was feeling. And this made me feel like I wasn't alone. So to do Embracing My Strange New Discoveries, it's my way of letting people know, even though when you think you got it figured out, there's more. I'm 49. And I thought I was sure about my heritage and my ancestry and my background. Boy, was I surprised. You know, that's good, though, because as long as you're learning, then -hmm. you're thriving. You're mentally thriving. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's a good thing. So are you looking to make a like like a trilogy of these books or Yeah, um you have Embracing My Strange, of course I'm gonna have the the revision coming out, Embracing My Strange New Discoveries. Um the second book is gonna be Embracing My Call. And that is going to follow my years as an EMT firefighter and my experiences with the paranormal. And believe me, there was a buttload of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I started off my medical career working as a CNA. And 
like within my first, second or third shift working as a CNA, I had to go to the morgue to oh. retrieve the gurney. That was fun. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I worked a graveyard shift, by the way. Yeah, I got broken <laughs> in good. Um, and then the third book, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to title that yet, but that's going to follow BPI, the founding of BPI and our investigations in detail, including things that had never been disclosed before about the investigations. Sounds interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's the paranormal journey of Gwen and then of the team. So when's the, uh, when's that come? When's the embracing my strange? When's the first one kind of be revised? Uh, embracing my strange new discoveries. What this is August. September. I'm hoping to have that completely done by October. Uh -huh. I figured in time for Halloween. Why not? I'm in the middle right now of working on something. So between work, editing, trying to do a book, marching band is now in full swing. <laughs> I might be able to eat. I'm not sure. I have to work that in my schedule. But yeah, but I'm, I'm scheming for by no later than Halloween. That's what I'm shooting for because I want to be sure I have this book laid out where you can follow it just like I did embracing my strange that that was a big kudo I got about that book they people were like I could read it I could follow it as like I was there that's what I want I'm gonna have uh, photos complete descriptions of everything I want this book to be worth every penny that people pay for because everybody works hard for the money sure they so. do. Uh, and I want to thank you for coming on the show and I will put your links at the bottom of the episode Okay. Uh, where, can, where can they go to get a hold of you or your team? Uh, just go to gluckett.com. And when you scroll down, you can see all the social media links. Um, you can shoot me a message through that to get in touch with BPI. I handle all of that. Um, as Loper calls me, I'm the mama bear. So I handle everything. <laughs> and then, you know, Loper assists me on stuff. If I need to, you know, need him to take care of some of my, some of my light work, he takes care of that. But yeah, if you just go to gluckett.com, dot com that has my links it has everything on there i just made it easy peasy one one link and boom and uh we'll have you back on once the books come out we'll, we'll uh, talk about your books you know and try to promote your book oh that'll be awesome thank you so much thank you gwen luckett for being on the show today and please check out gwen's link at the bottom of this episode gluckett.com also pick up her new book embracing my strange new discoveries and remember give the dead a voice and the living closure. I'll see you in two weeks with another great episode on Ghost in a Valley podcast. Mm -hmm.